Greetings. This is Terry Whitfield, a.k.a. Yasha Ben Israel for the Terry Whitfield, Yasha Ben Israel podcast show. Back at you one more time with another special for you. This is the place where we talk about things that people don't like to talk about and things that people don't want you to know. Today, I have a very, 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 very special guest with me today. Brother by the name of Devin King. How are you, Devin King? Oh man, I'm doing real well, real well. Yeah, Devin King is a is a, is a, is a long time buddy of mine. You know, an Israelite friend of mine. And I'm gonna tell you something that 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 that, that really sparked me about Devin. I remember one day I was going down, leaving from Detroit. I was heading on down, and me, me and Devin already knew each other for a little while at, at this point. But, you know, I'm not no begging Israelite or one of them Israelites that's out here trying to get my money out of people. Or, you know, I stand on my own two feet like a man. And I messed around and missed my train leaving from Detroit down to Chicago. I went to the train station, and I got frantic and scared and didn't know what to do. You know, I called Devin up. And Devin, Devin got to reach for got to reach for his pocketbook. Like, brother, you need some money. You stranded. You need to get back. <laughs> no, it ain't that. I'm just scared because I'm out here by my goddamn self and I missed my train and don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, that was a blessing, man. That was a blessing, man. And I was encouraging to know that if I did needed something, y'all had some. I had a ram in the bush for me. Oh, yeah. So tell me, man, let, let everybody know, what inspired you to study just the Bible, period, and, and, and even the Israelite movement or any Christian movement or just the study of the Bible, period? What, what inspired you, man? Um, well, I was uh, brought up into to the Word. My family wasn't really, uh, like, in the church like that. As well as far as I think my parents got the word. But I just stayed, you know, reading my Bible, my children's Bible and whatnot. And um, I fell off as I got older, a teenager what. And um, I said about 18, 19, I tried to commit suicide. Well, 2018, I was 20, matter of fact. And wow. I tried to commit, yeah, I tried to commit suicide. And um, I was like, man, I, I got to get back into the word. I got to be. Yeah, at that time when I had to church, you know, I just, I just got to get my spirit right, you know. Ever since then, I've just been diligently seeking the most out there. Wow. Say, say, so you've been in this, so how long, how, how long have you been in this now, about? Right now, I'm 33. I found the truth about 2010, so about 11, about 12 years, I'd say. Wow. 2009,
What was the name of that documentary again? So so the art listening audience could know. Uh, it's called The Curses. It's uh, on YouTube. It's through the Israelite Heritage Organization based out in Chicago. But they have different chapters. And actually, I was a part of the Detroit chapter and we was doing stuff in the community for a minute. Wow. And kind of fell off or whatever. But um, yeah, that's, that's just it. But ever since then, it's just been seeking the most high, most importantly. Just... You know, Detroit has a, has a pretty... A, a, a unique Israelite movement and has always had one as long since before I was ever even an Israelite. And and the uniqueness about the Israelite movement in Detroit is that it is very family oriented. It's not more. It's not religious based. You know, you you most of most of the Israelites in Detroit, you know, have services or studies in their homes. They teach people from their homes. You know, where they learn together, they eat together. You know, it's like real family oriented. You know what I'm saying? It's it, and like a underground like. You know what I mean? And you would never, you would never even know. Like, like that particular organization that you thought of, you just spoke of. I had no idea that they had a chapter here in Detroit. Yeah, it was, it was a small chapter. You know what I'm saying because at that time I was just looking up. Researching on my man, who can I fellowship with? Once I found out, you know, that we was, uh, you know, children of Israel. So just, and then I, I remember how me and you linked up through Facebook, just through different groups. I'm like, man, he, he, uh, it was like, he's a Detroit, you know, linked up, and you reached out to me, and ever since then, and I just want to take the time out, you know, to, to thank you and to salute you and to let you know that I appreciate you for taking the time out to reaching out to me and spending long hours explaining, breaking it down, breaking Hebrew language down, the Bible down, my, watering my perspective, my, my perception, just everything, brother. You already know, but I, I salute you, I thank you. Wow, man. Hey, man. Hey, well, well taken, brother. Well taken. <clears throat> so well taken that I would have never known that I was ever influenced, brother. <laughs> Yes, yes, man. It will take it. Yeah. Um, so was this particular organization, it was like home-based, would you say? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's how Detroiters do. You don't see a bunch of that standing on the corner stuff here in Detroit. I mean, Detroiters have tried it. But... Wow, awesome. And, and you know what? You know what? Another beautiful thing about Israelites. Israelites, the most high will touch one of these brothers and immediately they will go to work and start building communities and everything, man. I mean, I mean, this not that's not the first time that's been done. You know, I can count. I, if I start to thinking and thinking, I, I, would, I would start losing count on the Israelites throughout America that have set up uh, communities. You know what I'm saying? Whole communities. Bought acres of land, you know, and have set up whole Israelite communities. And I, I think that's important. You know, that's, that's, that's one major key point, you know what I'm saying, as far as 
outside. You know what I'm saying? Is to get land, have our own, build our own community. So, you know, our children won't be swayed this way and that way. You know what I'm saying? Especially yeah. how things are going today. You know what I'm saying? But that's a whole different I tell you one thing, man, if if I could be blessed to get just the viewership and the listening audience, and that day may come one day, you know, all I got to do is just keep at it, you know, keep at it, you know, um, but if the day come where I can get the viewership like guys like a young Pharaoh or Polite or even even smaller numbers like Doctor a uh, uh, Minister Inky. You know, a Sarnetta, any of those guys, those guys get mad views, man. You know, and those guys have gotten so many, Sarnetta, uh, not Sarnetta, uh, Sarasut and Seti and all those guys. Those guys, have, and Omar Johnson and them, those guys have made so much money off of YouTube that it's ridiculous. You know, and, and, and some of those guys are still like in begging position. You understand what I'm saying? If the most I ever ever blessed me, man, to get those kind of views, I would, I would, I would invest. Let, let me get that little four million dollar deal that 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 that, <laughs> that the Cabo is passing out. <laughs> man, I'll go around America setting up Israelite Israelite uh, schools all around this country. And, and I always say the most I blessed me with four, I mean, ten, five to ten people. And when we do a SUSU system, a uh, co-op economy, you know what I'm saying? Now, now, now you say, uh, 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 what kind of system is that again? Well, you know, it's a traditional, uh, it's a SUSU system. You talk uh, about, like, as in SUSU in economics? Yes, sir. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, with your family, with your tribe, you know, put, put, put money together by week, monthly. Yeah. So, Yeah, now the Susan system is, is, is something that, hey man, if you like to, man, you you know, we could uh, set up another show, you know, and uh, we could break down the, econ you know, the economics, the Susan economics, and just uh, let you uh, enlighten us more about the Susan system. Because, you know, what Ben Ami taught me, man, was that the, the seed has to be planted. You know what I mean? And books like Susan Economics, those books and that type of information need to be talked about and resurfaced back on the table. That's some old information. And it, it's so old, you know, that I even forgot about it. Until you said something about it. And I'm quite sure the new generation and the newer Israelites coming into the game is completely oblivious of it. You understand what I'm saying? So if you like to, you know, come back on the show, do a couple shows, you know, talking about the Susan system, you know, hey, man, you're more than welcome. In fact, I invite you to. For sure. I'll do some more studies, study on it, you know what I'm saying, with the different books and that I can share with the people. Yeah. Because, you know, you know, when we get to talking about this stuff, you know, you'd be surprised. You know, I did a show once where I was telling, you know, uh, one of the rappers, one of the Cheddar Boys. I had did a show with him. 
on here. And, you know, and I was telling the manager, you know, you don't understand, man, how big your works is. If you're doing a good work, your work is, is like seven times bigger than you'll ever, ever be. You will mess around, man, and 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 say something that'll spark somebody, man. That and a lot of times they don't give you credit for it. You know, I know because you know there's people who comes on my show, steal content, steal information, take it to their bigger platform, and get twenty, thirty thousand, fifty thousand views. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, man, it's all about man just putting that information out here. You know, putting yeah. that information out here. Just putting that information out here and building, you know, a legacy. Yeah. You know, passing something down to. Yeah. Uh, you know, you you you'll get those four or five. You know, yeah. and surely you'll inspire way more than that. But you you you'll get your four and five. You know, when you just talk about it and plant that seed. You know what I mean? You know, once I learn about it, I'm I, hey, you you got one too. That's me and you. You know, cause I know I know the suits and economics is that is that is that shizzing it. You understand what I'm saying? It's just getting people on one accord. You know, and we as so-called black people, you know, we don't have that understand. We have to understand. We can look at the examples. You know, we 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 in Michigan, so you know, Dearborn is the the number one. I do because we got we got about forty good minutes, forty five good minutes. We could just chop it all the way up. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, when you talk about you know when you talk about our issue though, we have a very very unique issue, and it's it's a devastating one. We have many though. Huh? We have many issues, but I think number one, to be honest though, yeah. We, nah, I don't mean. I'll buy that. I'll buy that 100%. I'll buy that. In their childhood. Yeah. I think that, I think that uh, we, are you familiar with this sister by the name of Joyce DeGroys? Maybe if I say her. Yeah, she, she, she coined, she coined the post-traumatic slave syndrome. She's a white-skinned. Yeah, she's a light-skinned sister. I think she's like a college professor, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, or something like that. Yeah, she talked about the post-traumatic slave syndrome. And, 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 and what was that now? She wrote that book. Yeah. Yeah. And she do a lot. She got a lot of lectures on YouTube that she's done about it. You know? And I I I I am I am in agreement with this sister. You know, African Americans, 
just by way of slavery and what we've been through in this country, we have never been healed from that. You understand what I'm saying? We've never had any therapy. We've had no one who cared to hear our cry, who to hear our plea, you know, to hear our story, to even just even care, you know. And when people go through traumas in their life, man, you know what I'm saying? You know, especially if they're protected, you know, they got all types of psychiatrists and psychologists and therapists and counselings, you know, even in religion. You know, some churches got some excellent spiritual counselors, you know, at least acting spiritual counselors anyway, you know. But the bottom line is there is something there uh, 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 for every issue Drug counseling, people that destroy their life with drugs. They they have counseling and rehabilitation centers for these people. You know, but people that, uh, the African-American, the I mean, people, war veterans, people, uh, 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 people that's been shell-shocked. There's therapy for those people. You, you understand what I'm saying? What we have been through. There, there was no therapy for that. There was no therapy for being a part and, and being forced to participate for five, six, ten generations, you know, of, of breeding farms. Happen to sleep with your sister and produce your nephew and your son. You understand what I'm saying? You know... All that kind of crazy madness, you know. If you dis, if you didn't want to sleep with, with, with who, Massa wanted you to wanted you to breed with because he looking from the out from the outside, you know. All he looking for is genetic traits, that, like 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 how you breed dogs, you know. I want my dog to have this feature and this feature, and if those features happen to come within the same bloodline, he gonna mate y'all, man. You know, what about, you know, the traumas that we've been through to where uh, uh, the rebellious slave who didn't want to comply just got thrown over and became shark food? Right off the slave ships. You know, you know the old story that Malcolm said, you know, that, it, it, that so many slaves was tossed over them ships, you know, to where, the, uh, where sharks followed them back and forth. From America to Africa, back and forth, back and forth. So to the point to where there's so many sharks. In, in, uh, 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 I think, uh, was it John Clark or Dr. Ben picked up on that story and said that there's so many sharks in the population of the uh, Atlantic Ocean right now. And, and because sharks can live 100 years or better, you know, uh, uh, they a lot of the whales and the sharks... And, and, and sea creatures in the animal, in, in the Atlantic still have memory of that stuff, man. You know, uh, uh, imagine uh, uh, you as a Muslim or Israelite coming over here and it was just against your whole being to eat pork and spoiled foods. And here come this white man making machines. You know, to pry your mouth and pry your mouth open and stuff food in your mouth because he needs you to live so he can make money off you. 
You know, we've been through a lot of stuff, man, that we never had no healing from, Devin. You know, we never had no healing from it, and we was thrusted into the, into the society. And, and, and like Obama said, you know, forced to get it, hey, pull up your bootstraps and let's go. You know, we wasn't taught the core more values of good, bad, right or wrong, what's healthy, what's not healthy. You know, we wasn't taught these things. You understand what I'm saying? We wasn't taught nothing, man. Just, hey, after we didn't sick dogs on you, hung you from trees, raped your mothers, your sisters, you know, all this old crap, you know. You know, I mean, there's never been no healing from it, you know. I'll give you one more good example. One more good example, and I'm going to let you take the mic. Uh, here's an example of that, the slave breeding farms, okay? And I talk about this in some of my videos, you know. One of the examples, have you ever heard many of the African-American sisters talk about how they've been molested and raped and stuff like that in their youth? Okay. And... And, and when they tell you this, usually it's always somebody in the family or somebody very, very close to the family, so close to the family that they end up becoming family because they a lot of time end up getting a person pregnant who they molested. <laughs> All of those are the post-traumatic slave syndrome, you know, from the slave breeding farms. I mean, from the early 1800s all the way up until the Emancipation Proclamation. <coughs> slave farms existed here in the United States of America. And every slave that was reproduced came from the uh, United States of America by way of breeding because they made it illegal to buy slaves here in this country. So all of the slaves here after the 1800 were forced to reproduce. All of us are, 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 are people that was just threw in a pot and made to have sex with each other. It didn't matter your race. I mean, not your race, your relationship to people. Like I said, if they didn't want you, if you didn't want to do it, you just throw a bag over your head and strip you down naked and say, go sleep with so-and-so. You know what I'm saying? And you had to do it. So... Here you come, the Emancipation Proclamation, slavery become illegal. You understand what I'm saying? And these practices from 1803 all the way up until what? The Emancipation Proclamation, you know, you're looking at about 80 years of this crazy, lawless sex, sexual practices taking place amongst black people. And then America... Uh, and then uh, America uh, 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 makes a uh, 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 slavery illegal, the Emancipation Proclamation, and then they start making laws against the very thing that they taught these people to do. What I'm trying to what I'm trying to do is make that connection, for, but between the, that sexually deviant behavior and the slave breeding farms. And that activity in which once they said it was all right to do. In fact, they forced you to do it. You got retarded kids, kids that born 
just all kind of crazy mental deficiencies, and it all goes back to them slave breeding farms. In massive inbreeding. You with me, Doc? Is, is, is you making the connection with me? Yes, sir. Yeah. You know, and what I'm saying is that these people was due to these in these sexually duplicitous, uh, deviant, very far from the scriptural sex sexual zona law practices. You force these people to do this. You inbred these people to do this. That at least. Up until what well, you talk about an eighty-year period, you you can have grandchildren, a great great a, a great great grandchildren by in in that time. And 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 the crazy part about it is they were the the the, the African American female was was given a a, a a manumission to where if she could produce something like a quota, you you produce the quicker you can give me fifteen babies, I give you your freedom. Now, but is that not inbreeding whoredom, though? Of course. You got a young lady trying to produce 15 babies by the time she's 26 years old. Just so she can get her freedom. You see? And once they made slavery illegal, these, these practices became illegal practices now. You sleep with your niece, now you are a pedophile. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You sleep with your sister now, or your mother, or your cousin, or anything now, now you're incest. It was always those things. But for about a good almost 100 years, be, uh, America needed to produce slaves. And she didn't care by any means necessary. Y'all need to make babies. And that occurred all the way up until Lincoln uh, produced the Emancipation Proclamation. Post-traumatic slave syndrome. And we've never been healed from that. You know, I heard you was telling telling us about the suicide, the attempted suicide and all of that. All of those things, Devin, my brother, is linked is linked back to the post traumatic slave syndrome. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, and, and current things. Yeah, and current things. And not just your life, but in my life. In my family's lives, you know. Yeah. Now, I, I, I've never, I've never wanted to straight kill myself, okay? But I have been driven to the point to where I didn't care, and I've, I've been driven to the point to where, you know, I didn't like this world that I was living in, and if the Lord took me up out of here, I, did, I just wouldn't care. You know, it was more so a coward shit. 
I mean, even in even in what even in my way of looking at it, I've never thought about committing suicide, but I have had a strong uh, uh, disdain for this life. You understand what I'm saying? I never had the balls to want to kill myself. <laughs> you know, I, I might want to kill somebody else. <laughs> Blame somebody else for the problem, but I never wanted to do that. I didn't have the the nerve, the, you know, the goal, the heart to do that, you know, hey, so what do you think about uh, the last time I saw you, the last time I saw you, we was there with Malik Shabazz at the, at the Renoko Rashidi joint, and he passed away a couple months ago, don't think that I didn't think about you when, 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 when Renoko passed away, buddy. Yeah, do you recall that night? Yeah, I do. I, 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 I woke up early. I'm like, Shalom, why? Yeah. Hey, do you remember anything anything that night about me uh, uh, explaining to Renoko Rashidi what the uh, release of Lashish was? that night that night I, I, we was there and he was showing a lot of his footage you know about different african uh uh re reliefs and just evidence of blackness all around the world in ancient times and he came across the reliefs of lashish which showed these black people in iraq and and he couldn't explain it you know he was wondering like what are these black people doing like in on, in Iraq? He couldn't really, really make that out. And I told him, I like those are that's the uh reliefs of the Battle of Lashish. You know, that's when the uh the Assyrians came in and took the children of Israel as slaves. Those black people that you're talking that you're that you're wondering about, those were the Israelites and, and, and it's a part of the Israelite story in the Bible. You don't remember that? Huh? Now that you bring it up. You said now that now that I bring it up, you do remember it? Yeah, because I remember because he was taking questions. Yeah. Yeah, that was an honorable moment, man. You know what I'm saying? For me. You know what I'm saying? Because a man of that stature. Yeah, you know, a man of that stature and he was puzzled and couldn't really, really, really make sense of that. Ah, wow. That was easy. You knew what that was when you saw it, th those reliefs, didn't you? No, because I don't remember the, the, the uh, Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 You know, I used to run with Malik Shabazz a long time ago. long time ago. Okay, I, I, I used to run with Malik Shabazz when he first, first came on the scene. Yeah, oh, that way before Khalid. Yeah, it, I, 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 I'm gonna say, it, I'm gonna say it was, yeah, it was a little bit before Khalid. You know, it, it, it had some. It was back in, it was, it was in, it was in Khalid's time. But you know, he used to run with Khalid. I used to bodyguard 
a lot of those like Renoko Rashidi and all of those people that he would come to Detroit. Me, uh, my brother Yahada, Dayael Ben Yahuda, he was saying he was saying my Israelite brothers, you know, down to the airport to get them guys, put them up in a hotel, and just to you know watch over them and to pretty much protect them peoples, man. And I met a lot of those legends and old old pioneers in the civil rights movement fooling around with Malik Shabazz. What you say, huh? I said, what's the years? But the, that's a story, man. Yeah, all, all throughout, I would say... Like 90s. Yeah, the 90s. All, all throughout, I would say from about 93... I would say about 93... Probably all the way up until, up until the late 90s. I probably ran with Malik Shabazz about a good four or five years. You know what I'm saying? And I ran with him because... Uh, it was during those years that I was really leaving the, the, the Pentecostal church and I was getting more in tune with the Israelite thing. And because I didn't, I couldn't find no Israelite organizations, I would run with the Detroit grassroots movements, Benny White, Ethiopia, uh, Abdul Rahim, Malik Shabazz, uh, uh, Reparation Ray Jenkins, you know, uh, Kwame Atta, Kwame Kenyatta, you know, uh, Joanne Watson, you know, uh, the, 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 and they were city council members too, you know, uh, uh, just many people that was in that African black movement that Detroit had, you know, I was running to that because we didn't have, I didn't have no Israelites to go with and, bec and through running with them, you know what I'm saying? I got a chance to meet some a lot of important people. I met Malik Shabazz, and me and Malik Shabazz kicked it off real hard, you know, when I first met him, you know. Uh, yep. Yeah, real historic moments, you know. Uh, since then, Malik Shabazz, I'm going to have to say this. And it's on the record, and it's not nothing bad. But today, Malik Shabazz, as well as myself, we're not the same people that we were back then. You understand what I'm trying to say? We were young, vibrant, on fire, had different goals, different directions. You know what I'm saying? And that's how I end up growing apart from Malik. You understand what I'm saying? And that's so crazy that you said that. That's a beautiful thing, man. Today I was uh I was driving driving to my mother's house and I seen some young guys riding on their little mini bikes and stuff. You know what I'm saying? And they were having the times of their lives. And I'm familiar with their parents. You know what I'm saying? And 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 some of these little boys had no dad in their lives. You know what I'm saying? I saw these little boys just having the time of their lives. You know what I'm saying? On their little mini bikes. And they were just, just, I mean, 
And the uh, only thing I could just think of is like, wow, those guys have no direction. A lot of them guys ain't got no daddies. And 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 I just wondered about what their future was going to be. And I wish that there was some type of system, you know, uh, that was set up where I could become a mentor to some of these young men. You, you understand what I'm saying? For sure, and, and we, we, we need to be going to do that, you know, because I'm mean, not mainly about this, but I'm building my, my nonprofit organization, you know, trying to be an organization where, you know, you know, I do the boxing thing, but you some boxing, you know, you know, be a, a, a way to bring in the youth as well as teach, you know, uh, combat and self-defense. But, you know, teach them life skills, conflict resolution. Yeah. yeah, teach them the power of self. You yes. know? And, 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 yeah, because when you teach them the power of self, then everything that they learn, they understand that they're empowering themselves. Sure. You know, when I went to school, you know, I, I'm going to tell you something, man. I went, to, I went all the way up to college, and, you know, all throughout elementary and just grammar school, high school. I didn't have knowledge of self, man. And I didn't care about learning. You know, but once I learned knowledge of self, I be I, I was I became this instant brainiac. Once I learned who I am, my history, and I and to make sure that I learned my history, I learned all African history that I could. I fit somewhere in there. That's the rise of past. You know. Part of the rise of past. Yes. Uh, and, and once I began to learn about myself, my history, my culture, all of the power of blackness that we created math, science, history, algebra, geometry, you know, metaphysics. Uh, the medical, we, we created the whole medical hookup. Look at the Ibra papyruses. You know, you know, we created all of that stuff, man, you know. And once I began to learn and understand that, you know, we created architecture. I mean, great things like the arch. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? People don't understand the power of the arch. We created that. Once I began to learn those things, then I, be, I I had a sense of pride about myself, you know, and I began to understand that every knowledge that I learned was to empower me as to where before, Devin, I thought that uh, everything that I learned was because I was pretty much forced to do it. You know, you forced to go to school as a kid. They scare you, they scare the, when I was a kid, they scare you about the chewing officer. You missed three days straight, the chewing officer coming to your house. And now your mama got legal problems. Or your daddy. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? They don't, that, that is something that's unheard of today. So we was forced and pressured to learn and to go to school. And only anything I ever learned was out of force and pressure. You know, I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to learn nothing. You know, I didn't care. But it was when I began to get knowledge of self that I wanted to learn martial arts, music, shit, mathematics, history. You understand what I'm trying to say? Yep. Yeah.
Knowledge itself. That's why I use boxing. Yes. Use the techniques and apply it to life. Yeah. Teach them everything, man. You know, I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. You don't know nothing about that, do you? No. You never heard that song, The Greatest Love of All, by George Benson? And then uh, a Whitney Houston turned around and made it, remade it. It's called The Greatest Love of All. Damn, Devin, you must be young as hell, hell. <laughs> yeah, she st it start off, I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Yeah. You know, those are the elements, man. You know, I, I talked about stuff like that in the last video I made about destruction of a black civilization. You know, and how the music was soothing and, and had the had the psychiatry and the healing elements that we needed in the people right there in our music. And that's a, and that's a very great book. Oh, awesome book, man. Awesome. Yeah, you know, I think, I think, didn't he get killed for making those books? It was either him or George M. James from Stolen Legacy. That was a good one, too. Yeah, you ever heard of that one? Yeah, I think it was the guy from Stolen Legacy that got killed, George M. James, if I'm not mistaken. What's another book we can throw out there right quick while we talk about books? Uh, Miseducation of the Black Man. Uh, 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 I thought, was it Miseducation of the Negro? I'm sorry. A uh, Carter G. Woodson. Um, how you were underdeveloped African. What was that? How uh, you were underdeveloped Africa. Whoa. How Europe underdeveloped Africa. Wow, that sounds heavy. Who who was the author of that of that particular work? Yeah, the ISIS papers. Yeah, the ISIS papers. Uh uh Francis Chris Welshie. Man, Malik knew all of them people, man. I'ma tell you, man. I'ma tell you, bro. Like I said, uh, Malik, Malik will go. Malik will, will send my brothers to go and get them peoples. You know what I'm saying? And uh, 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 my my brothers called. They they would they would actually bring them people like to my house and stuff. Come pick me up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All kind of stuff, man. I mean, I've met Geronimo Pratt. Uh, 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 not Stokely Carmichael. Uh, Stephen Coakley. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Khaled Mohammed. Uh. Oh, his work good, too. I ain't finished it, but I would have to look at Dr. Khaled. That's a good book. What was the name of the book again? I didn't hear it. Uh, the book, 
Oh, the book of college you're talking about by uh 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 Malik Sh Zulu Shabazz. Yes, sir. <clears throat> I'm quite sure that's a good book because he uh Khaled ran with them guys, man. And I'm quite sure Malik Zulu Shabazz knows some information that he should have recorded. Yeah. What about you? Did you know? Did you know that him and uh, Malik Shabazz from Detroit used to run together? Yeah, they all ran together. Yeah, yep, they all ran together. At first, at first, when I first ran with Malik Shabazz in Detroit, if we were the a uh, new Black Panther, not new, uh, not new Black Panther. What was they was? We wasn't even Black Panthers at all. We was the new Marcus Garvey movement. Okay. Yeah, that's what we were called when we, when we first started out. And then he clicked up with Malik Zulu Shabazz, and then they became the new Marcus Garvey uh, Black Panther Party. And, yeah, and I think, I, if I'm not mistaken, him and Malik Zulu Shabazz had some differences or whatever, and then that, that I think that friendship ended up being severed. But I don't, I don't know whether they ever fixed it back up or mended it back up or whatever. But uh, I do know that Malik still... Uh, do he still got that new Black Panther Party thing going? Malik. Yeah, yeah, from Detroit, yeah. I, I don't... I, I don't know. Yeah, he, he, may, he may have stopped using that after he split from that, that movement. He, no, he was kind of... I know he was sick, though. Oh, he was sick? Wow. Wow. Yeah, that was a great soldier, man. That brother was a great, 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 great soldier, man. When he first came out, he was a, he was such a great so soldier that he was a threat. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get I get mad praise and shouts out to him. You know what I'm saying? You know, Malik, I made Malik Shabazz mad at me one time, man. <laughs> Malik and every everybody in the Pan-African movement. And guess, guess why? I challenged Dr. Ashwa Kwesi. And I couldn't have been no more than maybe about 23 years old. And they didn't like that. Well, I'll say this in all respect, though. You make a lot of people mad, though. <laughs> <laughs> you say I make a lot of people mad. <laughs> <laughs> him coming out there he was open to share but i don't think that they appreciated my questions you know and, 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 and i think that they should appreciate my question because i'm a young man learning you know and if you can't answer my question you know you can you can say well brother get you know what interesting question i will uh, but uh, uh, for the sake of time get with me after the show and i'll talk to you and then after the show, you could you could let me know, man. Shit, I shit, I don't know. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? You know, I mean, shit, I didn't know the answer. I just didn't want you to, you know, put me on front street in front of everybody. I think Ashwa Kwesi said something to the effect. He kept calling Jesus Christ Joshua Christos. And I asked him at the, just like I did Renoko Rashidi, you know. And, and, and Renoko Rashidi was great because I gave him one of those things. And he didn't get mad at it. He took it and he embraced it. Yeah, he took it humbly. He embraced it. You know what I'm saying? He he stood with me. You know, I, th I don't know whether you was there or somebody, uh, the picture I took, you know, he took a picture with me. You know, he, 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 yeah, he signed the book. Yep. You know, I still got that book. Yeah. You know, but I did that same type of thing with uh, Ashwa Kwesi and he didn't appreciate it. And, and, and it caused a big, big uproar, man. You know what I'm saying? Big uproar. You know, he, he was, he was showing some, uh, 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 some photos. We got about a good 10 minutes. He was showing some photos and some slides and stuff about his tour in West Africa. And right after he went through all of this Egypt stuff, you know, I asked him, I'm like, why are you taking people to Ghana? You know, you can't tell me you haven't heard nothing about those people in Ghana saying that they were Israelites. Is that true? You know, he said, yeah, they were true, brother. But that, that there's people running around Africa calling themselves Israelites. But Egypt came before that. And I said, well, I said, but you understand what I'm trying to ask you. I said, your info, you know, I was trying to say his information is just kind of twisted. You know, because he was saying stuff about Joshua Christos. And I'm wondering, like, what history book can I look in to find a man named Joshua Christos? You know what I'm saying? You know, this was a this is this story was supposed to be about a young Jewish boy. So his name would not have been no Joshua or no Christos. There's nobody in history called Joshua Christos. Oh, they did not like that stuff, man. Oh, they did not like that. <laughs> yeah, they did not like that. I did that with Imam Issa Malachi York. He didn't like it. I think Malachi York said something to the, I went to go see him. He had a spot over there on Finkel. He actually, you know that big white building that used to sit across the street from Steve's Soul Food Kitchen? He had that. He owned that building. That was the uh the that was before the Nuwabic thing. That's when he was the Ansur Allah Islamic Muslims. You know, that's when they was doing their thing over there. When he became, when he became Nuwabic, that place got abandoned. And he had a little bitty little storefront place over here on Finkel. And the Israelite brothers used to come and get me, you know, to go see him. Because they knew that, everybody knew that and when it came time for questions and answers, I was going to come with one of those loaded hot questions. You know, and I'm listening diligently to your speech and everything. And when you say something crazy, I'm going to challenge you about it, you know. So, and I, I was like that ever since a young man. And Imam Issa got to talking about the children of Israel and how did, why he be, why they're Muslims because the children of Israel don't exist no more. And how during the, the, the Syrian captivity, the Syrians took the children of Israel and bore them all in hot oil. And I, I just asked him, can you prove that? So they bore them all in Yeah, he said they bore them all in hot oil. <laughs> all I need. 
Yeah. And I asked him, could he prove that? I mean, do you have any historical references to prove that? And he got mad at me. Yeah. He got mad at me. And all I just wanted was you to prove, I mean, I want, I'm not going to run around here telling these people all of this stuff that y'all people telling me, man, and, and there's no evidence to back this stuff up. Why? So somebody can come to me one day and discover that that stuff ain't real and then tell me how much of a fraud and a liar that I am? I never wanted to put my name and myself out there like that, man. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You're talking to a man, man, that have that have met. I, I've debated. I ain't gonna say I debated these guys. I've uh I've challenged uh Nate Seven at the concert down hall over there on Woodward back in the nineties. This was way before IUIC was ever heard of when he was running with the House of David. Oh, okay. You say what's his name? Uh, Nate Seven, you know, the leader of the IUIC, the Purple Boys. You don't know who Nate, Nate is, the, uh, the, the IUIC guys. The, they the biggest Israelite organization in the game. Yeah, Nathaniel. Yeah, Bishop Nathaniel. That's what he known today. When he was with, uh, when he was with the House of David, he was known as Nate Seven. Well, I don't follow him either. I've just been in this game so long, man. Yeah, but I know what you're talking about, though. But I don't. But I, 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 we do need, well. Yeah, I remember when them guys popped up, see? You know, I never followed none of them guys, you know? I, but, yeah. Yeah, I challenged him. I'm going to tell you who one guy who I challenged, and he cracked, and he cracked my goddamn head. You ever heard of Rudolph Windsor? Rudolph Windsor. He wrote the book from Babylon to Timbuktu. Oh, my God, man. One day I called in on a podcast show and I waited to, you know, you know how I do. I listen to you. I hear you out. <coughs> he had question and answer. And I came with one of them loaded questions. I said, I asked him, I said, uh, you say in your book, and, and I believe you. You know, that the, the, the Jews, the Israelites of Mali were black. But every time I do research on these people and, and the Jews of Morocco, I always come across the Arab white looking people. Can you explain that? He explained it to me. And he explained it to me in such a way that as he was saying it, my mind was like, oh, man. Well, no, I didn't say he, it wasn't one that he didn't know what he was talking about. It just wasn't a sufficient answer for me at the time. And it took me about three weeks constantly thinking about what he told me. And the brother gave me an answer that was so real and so concrete, it really busted my head open. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I, 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 hey, I got what I was looking for. You know, you meet your match out here with that stuff. But, yeah, this 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 show, is we about to get ready to cut it short. We've been on for 55 to 30. And we only got maybe like four more minutes. They're giving me heads up. Anchor is giving me heads up to end the show. Telling me to keep my eyes on the clock. So, I'll say that it was a pleasure. A pleasure. A great pleasure. 
And I've been looking forward to dialoguing with you, Doc. You know, I ain't heard from you in a while talking with you. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, anything you like to say, man, let let the listening audience know what you got going on. You know, let them know. Hey, just, hey put it out there. Let, hey, tell, tell them about your, your Susan show. You know, that you want to talk about, you know, or that, hey, hey, let them know what you got going on, what you want to do, the big brother, you know, the big brother type thing, you know, hey, you know, the uh, mentoring the youth, let, let everybody know what you got going on, what, you, what your ambitions is and what you're trying to do. Okay, well, right now, um, I try, I'm a boxing life coach, I train people in boxing, the fundamentals of boxing, and we use the fundamentals of techniques of boxing, we use that and apply it with life. And if you want more information, you can contact me at 313-685-0587. That's 313-685. Do, do you have any, uh, any 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 Instagram or Facebook pages you like for people to connect up with you at? Um, you can do my Instagram. It's truly a king seven, lowercase. Truly right. a king seven, lowercase. <laughs> That's truth at King Seven. No, truly, T R U L Y, A King K I N G Seven. All right, all right. That'll be it. We getting ready to shut this show down, and that is Yasha Ben Israel, aka Terry Whitfield, signing out with my little brother Devin King. Man, I can't wait to do another show with you, man. I want, I want to see you get down with this, with the suits and economics, my brother. Hey, because that's something that we really, 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 really need. And that being stated, man, we are out of here. Peace, Shalom. Shalom.